Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry. Sorry. We're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No. Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you Lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Seahawks fans, wherever you may be, welcome back for another edition of the Seahawks Playbook Podcast. Join your host, Bill Alpstead and co-host, sports writer and football analyst, Keith Myers, as we talk Seahawks football. Seahawks fans, welcome back to another edition of the Seahawks Playbook Podcast. I'm your host, Bill Alfstead, here with Keith Myers. Keith, good afternoon to you. Welcome in to good Talk afternoon. Seahawks Football. Yeah, let's do it. Um, we are on our last episode of our position-by-position position look at uh, draftable players and guys that the Seahawks might like and ones that fit the scheme and all that. And we are on to cornerbacks, which is probably the team's biggest need at this point. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I think the, yeah, there's definitely three spots that we all seem to kind of be coming back to as, as a collective group that, that kind of follow the Seahawks more or less uh, fairly closely corner wide receiver, three offensive line, specifically center. Um, Mm -hmm. And then there's, you know, three or four other positions after that. Rotate rotational defensive. Yeah. Strong side linebacker. Uh and wide receiver, right, maybe a backup safety. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. So that, you know, I think there's three though, that are fairly clear in the draft. We only have three picks. I think you and I strategy wise uh, likely agree that we'll come out with a minimum of probably five, um, but we'll see. We'll see what happens. But yeah, we got a lot to talk about. I have a ton of prospects. I just kept going. Like I wanted to make sure I touched yeah. every level. And by the time I was done, I had like 15 or 16 guys to talk about. <laughs> Yeah, I tried really hard to keep it narrow. This is a really yeah. good draft yeah, class absolutely. if you need a corner and you play a defense like Seattle. Yes, yes, um, because of you know of the, the the cover two or cover three zone type stuff, the heavy zone stuff, 
there's a lot of guys mm-hmm. in the draft that that are very good at that. Which is interesting because it the Seahawks changed the way the NFL plays cornerback. Uh, it used to be that you wanted your cornerbacks to be a maximum of six feet, um, and because you any taller, and you wouldn't have the agility to stay with uh, the little guys. And then the Seahawks went on. Uh, a lot of games and dominated on defense with Richard Sherman at 6'3 and Brandon Browner at 6'4. And all that length became such a problem for opposing uh, wide receivers and quarterbacks that now you look at at the draft class and almost every corner that is rated high is six foot or higher. There's a lot of 6'1, 6'2, 6'3 guys. That was unheard of. Uh, 10 years ago. And now it's a lot. Yeah. So uh, I, I just think that you, you go back and, and you know, the the, the Browner and Sherman uh, addition to Seattle's defense has ch- kind of changed what a prototypical corner is. And that's a good thing for Seattle because instead of like digging around trying to find the one corner who's, you know, 6'2 and has some length, now there's a mm-hmm. bunch of them to choose from and they get to have their yeah. pick. So uh, it does make it does make things a little easier, but with more teams looking for that, it also has driven the price up. Yeah, it is interesting. I mean, there's definitely a, a, a selective group of guys. <clears throat> you know, there's a few guys at the top. Seattle's not going to be able to touch those. Likely wouldn't anyway, if they even if they had the picks. But the real value mm-hmm. pocket in this draft is between where Seattle picks and probably the the middle or the end of the fourth round, maybe even a, a little deeper than that. Um, but they can probably get a, get an impact guy if nothing less than a solid rotation corner to come in and, and be able to play um, in spots, minutes, and scheme uh, diversity roles um, all the way up, up through probably the fourth round, fifth round right away. And guys that will have a real decent shot at having impact on special teams immediately. Yeah, and then what the other thing that's interesting that I find when I start looking at all of this is that you've got uh, two guys in Seattle's recent history of being good and being key parts of the defense that don't fit any of the prototypes that Seattle always drafts. Yeah. Right? Justin Coleman was, what is he, 5'10 and had uh, short arms, um, not any of the length or whatnot, and he worked himself into being one of the best slot corners in the NFL. And recently, um, Reed has been like, he wasn't, uh, he, you know, he wasn't even like thought of as, as much of a guy that's going to contribute. And he just kept playing and kept fighting and getting better. And, you know, he's probably going to be a starting corner Mm -hmm. this year. And he's also a guy that is not tall and doesn't have long arms. Um, so the Seahawks have been willing to budge on uh, on their the things that they say they're not willing to budge on, but only for certain guys, and they're not going to give up much for them. Like both of them were um, acquired for essentially nothing, and they basically took a chance on them, and, and it turned out. Uh, does that mean that the team is going to to change what they look for in the draft because Coleman and, and Reed have been so good? I don't think so. Um, but it's it's still an interesting thing to watch because they are having good success with things that aren't 
part of the prototype. Sure. And, you know, Reed gives you the option, too, of playing inside. I mean, we always thought he was going to end up being the nickel guy for, for Seattle. Um, and it just mm-hmm. turned out that he, he was kind of thrown out there on the outside, played well, and then stuck. Um, now looks like, yeah, you you said it, starting corner in this defense. And then uh, Trey Flowers and Witherspoon right now, the likely guys fighting it out for um, for the other side. We'll see what happens. Um, I don't think that they're done and yet. That's why, that's why we need another yeah, corner. Well, well, that's why we're going to have a conversation <laughs> today. Um, yeah. One thing that we, we need to talk about that was unexpected, just came up yesterday, is the weird situation with defensive end Alden Smith. Smith signed a contract with Seattle like three days ago, right? The ink's not even dry yet. Ended up getting in trouble in Louisiana, outside of New Orleans. Um, and the, uh, the police issued a warrant for his arrest on a, as a second degree battery charge, um, with sketchy details beyond that. And that was reported by multiple sources yesterday. And then, um, some of the allegations directly from the police came out and said that according to police, quote unquote, Smith allegedly choked a victim until the victim was unconscious. According to WDSU-TV in New Orleans, the incident is believed to have been caught on camera. However, uh, interesting enough, as, as time kind of goes on, more details emerge, and Mike Florio of NBC is now reporting that the video could possibly show that Smith never touched the man who instigated the battery charges against him and the video could support the notion, I'm just quoting the, the little piece, uh, video could support the notion that Smith and the other family members went to talk to the husband of Smith's pregnant sister after the alleged altercation between the two, and that Smith will contend, we're told, that he didn't touch the man. And if the video can indeed back that up, this situation could be, could be resolved quickly, just like the Donald situation was. So... That's all the details that we have currently, from what I understand mm-hmm. of as of uh, 20 minutes ago, before we pushed record on this, <laughs> that the warrant was still outstanding. He hadn't turned himself in. There's no word of, you know, any negotiations or anything like that at all. So um, no details from the team other than uh, they're going to monitor the situation. That's uh, definitely the likely statement that you're going to hear out of the Seahawks until this thing goes one way or another. So anyway, Keith, we had a, a full segment kind of planned uh, to... Uh, showcase and highlight Alden Smith in a positive way and how he would um, impact the team. And I think we're going to, we're going to hold off on that. Yeah. Let's wait to find out if he's going to be on the team. Uh, I think the news today is definitely uh, promising in that it sounds like um, a family dispute and someone's basically trying to use the cops to get back at mm-hmm. someone. God, that um, sounds familiar, what, doesn't it? Yeah, that that it does sound familiar, and it does sound like I mean that's that's what uh, Florio's report went, went that way. Yeah, that's where and Florio's report is definitely leaning that way. Um, but we don't have any we don't have any details. We only know what's out there. We only know the same things as everyone else. Um, what's been reported? One of the reports is that he did some things that were terrible, and if they're true, he shouldn't be in the NFL. He's probably going to be in jail. And then the other one says, no, he's completely innocent. Who knows? We're, we're going to find out. It's going to take some time. It'll play out unless the video is clear that he never touched the guy. 
Um, and if that's the case, this will end as quickly as it started. Right. And you we'll know, the, the problem is Smith has a history that works against him in this sort of situation. And so the benefit of the uh, doubt is the part that's, um, that's in question. I think the most is like, what do you, what do you do? Yeah. You've got a history here that points in another direction. And so we'll see, we'll see what happens. You know, it's, um, that's why we have the system that we have. It's set up to kind of go through the process. And I know it's hard. Um, especially when we don't know, but, um, I think the team's taken a good approach and we'll just play a wait and see the, the good thing about the Seahawks depth is that we don't need Alden Smith. Um, Alden Smith was going to be a luxury that we didn't even know we needed. And, you know, when we signed him, everyone was like, wow, this is really cool. Um, but if we, if he's not there, um, it just means we're going to have to cut one last person out of camp because it would have been likely that we would have <laughs> cut probably, I would think Benson Mayoa and, and it could have been any number of guys um, really out of that long list of the depth that they do have there at this point. So, yeah, it's, it is the defensive end position has become a roster strength because, you know, Dunlap coming back and Hader being signed and, and um, you know, the two draft picks last year and, uh, they they brought back Benson Mayoa and Collier developed into something um, worth excuse me um, worthwhile and it, there's just a lot of guys and they're all worth a roster mm-hmm. spot and so yeah it's um, it is an interesting place for them to be and then they went and signed Alden Smith which they don't need uh, because the the, the roster yeah, is pretty stacked, from what I understand too, that he only have signed for pressures. like a one point two seven five million dollar deal with one hundred and thirty seven guaranteed signing bonus. Mm-hmm. So that's not a lot. That's not a big chance that they were taking on that player, so they can walk away if they need to. All right, so yep. that's it for news. I think we had uh, what that Kyle Fuller signed his restricted free agent tender today. That was the only other news at all, <laughs> uh, which is non news. Yeah, th- that's. That's non-news because it basically he's an exclusive rights free agent, which means he either signs the tender or he's saying he doesn't want to play in the NFL um, because the CX would hold his rights and they would just hold on to them again and they could hold on to them until forever. Um, and so they have no reason to, uh, to do anything with it. Basically, if you're an exclusive rights guy, just sign your tender and, and get in, yeah. get into camp and, and get your workouts in and get yourself ready. All right. So we've got a pretty long, lengthy show um, going over a whole bunch of prospects. So <clears throat> the draft's coming up in about, uh, what, a week? A little over a week. Um, just kind of came right up on us. And so far, we've gone through all the position groups on the show and over several weeks. And this is the last one uh, covering cornerbacks. We're obviously not going to do the specialist uh, special teams kind of guys. Cause th- those are, those are locked in, but um, the cornerback group is, is one of the groups on the team that's in flex this year. We lost Quentin Dunbar um, who didn't have a huge impact last year, but was set up maybe if he had returned to come in and compete for a starting spot. And then, Obviously, um, Shaquille Griffin moved on to a lucrative contract in Jacksonville. And so the team is left with Reed as having the, uh, the starter experience along with Flowers, 
who um, who some think maybe is is primed and ready to to take that that little extra step this year um, to really be comfortable um, in his role as an outside corner. And then, of course, we signed Akella Witherspoon in free agency uh, to come in and compete for a starting spot there. So we've got three guys right now, essentially. Um, and then a bunch of practice squad kind of guys, futures contracts. Um, so the, the, the position group itself seems a little unsettled. Keith, how do you see it? Um, what do you think the talent um, overall in, in, the, in the secondary is? Um, and, and what do you think they likely do here in the draft? So the talent overall in the secondary, if you're counting safety, I think they're they're in good shape. But um, cornerback, it, it the talent isn't great, and the depth is worse. Um, I like Aleko Witherspoon. Uh, I liked him coming <clears throat> into the draft in the draft process. I thought he was going to be good. He's been decent, and uh, but he hasn't been special. You're, you're not you're in with him. You're not getting a guy that you know is going to. Come he's in a and, good zone and, guy, but he's uh, not a great press guy. Yeah. And uh, so, you know, and with Flowers, like, there have been signs. His rookie year was pretty good. His second year was pretty bad. And last year, when he first came in, you know, after the injury and whatnot, he was pretty bad. And then he got better over the course of the year uh, and started to look more like he did in his rookie year at the end. But even then the team wasn't afraid to pull him off the field and, and, and give Reed the job. Uh, and I, I don't know, is he primed to take that step or is he not? Do you count on him taking that step when you're building your roster? You say, oh, well, we know he's going to do that. So let's be prepared. I don't think you do. You have to play it safer than that. Uh, and so you're thinking, okay, he's a backup outside corner. Um, you got Ugo Amadi who can play the slot. Um, and you got Reed who can play the slot, but who are your starters on the outside? Well, Reed's probably going to be one of them. Um, and then you've got Witherspoon. Yeah. Well, then you've got Blair that could come in and play the slot as well. And, and, and some free safety, according to Pete. And and obviously I think a little bit of strong safety, um, but he's not going to be a cover corner for you. You know, he's going to maybe cover some, Mm -hmm. some larger, um, guys in, in the middle. Uh, but that's, that's his limitation. So. It, it is interesting. I think we're going to need a guy. I, you know, what we lack to me is, um, instinct on, on, on the back end. Um, Reed seems to be very competent. seems like he can play a diverse set of schemes and roles. Um, but after that, like flowers doesn't have a lot of instinct to me. He's not instinctually, um, quick, able to adjust. No. Cause he, he didn't play exactly. He's totally until, until he's totally good at facing up, facing the facing the box, closer to the line of scrimmage, playing off the run, all that kind of stuff. But when he's when he's dropping back into coverage, turning his head, having to flow, swivel hips, all that kind of stuff, he's just not the the cornerback. I think that Pete Carroll wishes he he had back there. I um, mean, even Griffin mm-hmm. struggled in in some of those things, um, some of those attributes. So. It's time to it for me. It's time to upgrade. It wouldn't be surprising if they use their first selection, which is two fifty six overall, to either drop back slightly and pick up a corner, or use that pick if a guy is there that they've really had their eye on. Um, so why don't we start? And I say just for the people who are, are listening, when Bill says two fifty six, he doesn't mean pick number <laughs> two hundred and fifty six in the draft. He means round yes. two. 
overall pick uh, yeah. 56. So it's a 56 pick Correct. in the draft. It happens to fall in around him. So, yeah. So my, uh, my idea, my thought was just like everything else we've done here is to, to kind of go through it. Um, obviously there's a few guys at the top Keith that we're not going to see. Um, and, and then there's a group that starts to become available if they should drop a little bit. Um, I think guys like Sir, uh, certain and, and, uh, some of the other guys are going to go in the, in the first round. They're just untouchable, but there's a guy that I thought in looking at the draft boards and looking at some of the consensus mocks and where the projections are and so forth and his medical concerns that this is a guy that might drop a little bit. And that would be Caleb Farley, um, Farley, uh, cornerback out of Virginia tech. Now he's got kind of a first round grade back of the first round. He's very good size. He's probably one of the most physical intriguing prospects in the draft. Um, but he skipped out his 2020 season, which is the first check. So he's got 2018, 2019 tape, which is excellent. Um, he's 6'2", 207, 40 time, 445. But um, he's got some durability issues a little bit. And then he had a back surgery this spring that prevented him from working out as well. So that further kind of eroded that team ability to do medical checks on him. And um, because of medical concerns, he could, he could be one of the guys in the draft that fall a little bit. And if that happens that could be a guy that seattle might take a chance on and that's the only reason why i I mentioned that that. guy at all because normally he would be untouchable for the seahawks in this particular draft because of the of the Mm -hmm. lack of draft capital but a guy like that all of a sudden falls because of the medical stuff because other guys in front of him are are just going to be more dependable um that's that's the only reason why he would be be there available yeah, because this is a guy that that um, I've seen ranked from the seventh overall mm-hmm. player um, on big boards uh, down into like twenty eight. I think is the mm-hmm. lowest I've seen him. Um, but you're right; like he's the type of guy that could just yeah. I mean, he had he he was cut open in his back and had I I can't remember what the procedure mm-hmm. is called, but um, you know it was a it was a uh, you know a small little rod put into his back and, and, um, you know, who knows what the recovery time is on that, that surgery just happened just a few weeks ago. And so <clears throat> who knows, right. And, and, and opting yeah. out of the 2020 season was already kind of hurting him a little bit. And now this, and so it, he's, he's one of the guys I've got my eye on as far as a guy that could fall that I know Seattle would covet. Yeah. And it reminds me a lot of miles Jack who, was a guy that was looked at as a you know easily a top ten pick, but you know the the injury concerns. People are gonna say, yeah, he's going to be good, but he's going to be good for a very short career. Don't count on him uh, having any kind of longevity. And so instead of being a top ten pick, he dropped well into the second round. Um, yes, that could be that's the that's the type of situation we might be looking at here. It also might be that you know, with this back surgery, he might not play this next year. And if that's the case, if teams believe he he's not going to play, you could see him free fall down into the middle yeah. rounds. Yeah. And, Cause most of the time this um, sort of procedure is at least six months. And that's for a guy that sits behind a desk, you know, and uh, pulls weeds for a living. Right. Um, this is a guy that's got to be on the premier athletic tip top condition um, mm-hmm. or, or you don't want to put that guy out on the field because you don't want to take a chance on, on stuff like that. So you're right. 
he could end up either missing the season or missing the first half of the season. You just don't know on a situation like this. Seattle already dipped its toes into that situation last year with Daryl Taylor. Do they do they do that two years in a row? It make it seems like it's unlikely. So. so I'm not sure, um, but but the talent is unquestioned. And if he's sitting there, mm-hmm. you know, you may have a debate inside at, the, at, the war room. Yeah, you might. And I personally, I would have a harder time doing that at 56 unless you're medical checks and, and all that kind of stuff. Your doctors are feel really confident. But again, your doctors felt really confident about Daryl Taylor last right. year, and he never played it down um, because of that leg surgery. And so it is, it is a little weird. All right. Um, so um, I, I just thought I'd throw that out there first because I knew that you may not have had that on your list. And I wasn't going to have it on my it list either, but I kind of dug a little bit. And sure enough, I, I was mm-hmm. reading some things where I just kept reading the word could fall could fall in the draft, you know, could likely, you know, falling out of the first, you know, it's just like, whoa, I got to pay attention. Okay. Um, who do you have that you want to talk about first? So probably my favorite corner, um, it for Seattle's scheme and, and everything, um, would probably be Syracuse cornerback, um, Effiatu Malifianu. Did I, did I, did I do that even close? Malifianu. Malifianu. Yeah. Um, you know, he's six two two twelve. This guy's big. Yeah. He's mm-hmm. long. He's fast. He's really athletic and a little raw. And you know what happens when players come into Seattle is they go, guess what? Now you got to learn a new technique and you got to learn how to do this kick step technique when you're up in press um, and not just bail. So they need, you know, they're going to take this guy, they're going to take any guy and they're going to already kind of alter some of their mechanics that they, that they um, do with their feet and stuff. And so, yeah, he needs to, that cleaned up, but they're going to change it anyway. And so you're taking a guy with really, really high upside. Yeah. And I yeah. don't see a yeah. downfall. And yeah. if he's going to be available at, at 56 yeah. or 60, if they drop back, do it. Just do it. Yeah. That, do it. The more research I did, Keith, I, this was the guy, this was the guy that fit mm-hmm. everything that Seattle really looks for in a corner regardless of whether he's six, two and five eights or whether he's six foot. Um, the guy has an 80, 80 inch wingspan. He's 212 pounds. He came in, I think it is pro day and weighed uh, 206. So there is some fluctuation there. Um, had a 40 yard dash of four, four, eight. So decent time for a guy that's six foot three and 212 pounds, uh, short shuttle at four, three, four, which is crazy. Uh, vertical jump at 41.5. So he's got the athletic explosion for a guy that size. Um, broad jump, mm-hmm. 134 inches. So uh, 11, 11 feet plus. Um, athletic, out, outstanding size. But for that size and that height, his his hips are really nice and fluid and stay in transition. He stays uh, glued to, to his receivers. He's got some bursts. Um, you know, he, he needs to improve, uh, moving backwards a little bit, but coming up forward, um, you know, that's, well, he's, he's not going to do a lot of backpedaling true. in Seattle. That's and true. That's one, one of the, one of the things of, of the scheme is they start up in press most of the time because that gets them turned and, you know, just stay behind the, the deepest guy. You're, you're in charge of the third or you're, you know, in man down the field, um, which is much more unlikely. They play a lot of zone and he's, he's not backpedaling 
in Seattle's system. And that's why I don't worry about that weakness. I just think that he's going to be a great fit. Yeah. You know, and, the, and he is, you know, he's going to go anywhere between 50 and 70. Mm-hmm. And it would be hard to, to pass on that because <clears throat> you've got, uh, but I understand why Seattle would, and we'll get to that throughout the show because there are some fallback options. Um, and if a guy like mm-hmm. uh, Myers is sitting there at center um, or, or minors um, or, mm-hmm. or a couple of Either the other of guys that they might have their eye on that we just don't know, maybe Walker little at tackle of the future, kind of a pick, you know? So there's a lot of different ways Seattle could go there. And there's probably, I don't know, five, six, seven guys. They've got graded all the same grade in that sort of shelf um, where, where they're planning on, on being. And so they may be okay with dropping back to pick up the extra pick or two in the draft because of the lack of draft capital overall. Um, so it's hard to get attached to any one particular player at 56. Cause I, I really do likely think that they're going to drop back at least probably into the early to, to mid sixties before they make a selection. But a guy like this could still be available along with a number of other prospects. And it's just going to be one of those deals where who do they have on their board that's rated higher, you know, and where do they think they could get the same sort of player later on in the draft. So, well, and that was one of the things that happened, you know, a few years ago when the CX desperately needed a corner and everyone was like, oh, get, you know, first round pick Kevin mm-hmm. King and, and all of that. And the CX said, nah. And they waited until the third round um, and got Quill Griffin, who actually turned out to be one of the better cornerbacks in that draft. Uh, but they were able to get a starting caliber person two rounds later. They took advantage of a deep draft class and we have a really deep draft. So I could totally see them doing that too, picking a, a position where it's harder to get a guy and knowing you're going to have another pick in a couple of rounds and there's still going to be good players there. So one of the strategies, um, and we'll talk about this more in, in next week's show, cause we're going to do a draft preview show. And, and that's also going to come with, I think a little bit of a mock draft. I think we agreed to do, um, even though it's going to be fairly small, um, compared to years past, it'll be interesting because of the strategy, because <clears throat> with only three picks, uh, second round, 56 overall, fourth round, 129, seventh round, 250. You just don't have a lot to work with there. So if they do drop back from 256 overall, um, let's say they, they find a trade partner within 10 picks. So they're dropping back to 65. With that, they could likely pick up an additional fourth round pick or um, you know, pop, maybe even a fourth and a sixth, something like that. Um, mm-hmm. dropping back to 65 to 70, are there, are there guys beside Malifuanu that you have your eye on that, that could oh, be yeah. available, you know, in that range or if maybe even they drop back another little teeny bit, um, who, who knows? Um, but any, anywhere mm-hmm. between say 75 and a hundred that you think might be available. Yeah, there's, there's a bunch of guys. Um, I would say, uh, Trill Williams, who is actually also from Syracuse. Um, another long guy, more straight line speed, um, doesn't have as much wiggle in terms of his ability to change direction stuff. He's not, not as great an athlete, but has more of the straight well, line speed. Well, he ran speed. a 44240. And, yeah, and I mean, a 1.48 would... 10 yard split. I mean, that's most so guys he... are running a 155 that are really fast, that like have major mm-hmm. agility. That's a 148 10 yard split. That's crazy. So he's a guy that's going to um, 
work well in Seattle's scheme because you know they they need him to be not get beat mm-hmm. deep and and uh, cover that outside third and he's going to be able to do that and at 62198 he's a good fit um he'll and he'll go uh, out uh probably around later than Melifawanu um Paulson Adebo out of Stanford 61190 is a guy that I find really interesting and I have zero clue where he's going to go in the draft because two so in 2018 after his redshirt freshman season they were like okay this is a first round pick this is a guy that um you're looking at you know a couple years more development he may be a top 10 pick then he had a down year in in 2019 didn't look as good and opted out of 2020 completely so who is he right is he this the kid you know from uh, a couple of years ago that looked outstanding um or is he the more erratic player from 2019 like it there i have no idea where he's going to go um based on his 2018 tape i'd take him um but is he going to go in round two? Is he going to go around five? I'm no. not sure. Like he's really could yeah, go, he anywhere. go anywhere from, for me, I think he goes anywhere from the back of the third round to the fifth round. But I think that it's probably closer to pick 120 than, you know, than we, than we probably think a guy like that with that mm-hmm. skill set, he does have some good tape. Obviously he ran a four, four, five, 40. He's got, um, some athletic traits with his vertical and broad jump. Um, and he's, he's just, he's good. He's an instinctive player, which means that he's, he's going to be good in zone coverage. He knows how to read, um, read plays, read coverages, uh, great football IQ, all that kind of stuff. Those are good, you know, good ball skills. Those are good skills that translate well into the NFL, especially on a team like uh, Pete Carroll's team, well-disciplined guys that are supposed to be in the right spots all the time. This is a guy that fits ideally in that sort of a situation um, where he can quickly read and anticipate uh, recognition um, in the zone. He knows where everyone else is at, so he's comfortable making plays um, and, and and using his speed to, to, to get you know uh, somebody tackled. So you know, regardless of the struggles, I think he's got enough there where you take a guy like that in the third or fourth round. Yeah, and then um, you gave me too wide of a range. We had six <laughs> other guys that are bet- that are Stop. between the last pick or two of, of round of round three and and so basically yeah. round four, right? The last couple of picks okay. are round three, and then all of round four. I probably I've got six oh, other I've guys that about, fit so. what Seattle wants. And uh, so it, this is there. This is what we were talking about before. There's groups of guys that are mm-hmm. good, and they're all rated about the same. And if you're there and five of them are available, drop back four spots. Because even if the other people take, um, you know, the, the four people that jumped up, all take cornerback, you'll still have one available, um, you know, there and you get, and you, mm-hmm. you know, get another draft pick for it. So, but like I said, I've got, I've got six guys in that range from, you know, in basically round four. So from uh, 93 to, so, okay, like okay, let me guess the names and you tell me if I'm right. Okay. Benjamin St. Juiced. Yes. Paulson, we already talked about. Um, Israel uh, Mukuamu. Yep. From South Carolina. Um, Kelvin Joseph. He's the last one. Uh, Keith Taylor might be a little early. How about uh, Ambry Thomas? He's no. not on there. 
He's about like Robert a Rochelle? Later. A little later. I've got him later okay. too. How about hold on um, one more? You, you said Keith. You said Keith Taylor. So I'm going to give you that okay. one. That's four. Um, the other guys I have are later. Let me see if I've got a guy that I didn't talk about earlier that's up here closer to the top of my list. Yeah. You know, Eric Stokes is the only one that's left, but I, he might be going a little early because he ran a four two five forty and had a 38.5 yeah, vertical at his pro day. Yep. Um, Tyson oh, Campbell. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Georgia. Where did Tyson Campbell go? Where did we put that guy? <laughs> he was the, he's the last one. So, yeah, it was, there's just this Tyson Campbell may end up going earlier than people think, too. St. Juiced, Campbell, uh, Mukuamu, Keith Taylor, um, Kevin Joseph. Like, that yeah. group of guys. They're all um, Campbell and I 6'1 to 6'3, yeah. and they've, they're all long. They're athletic. all um, athletic. Fast. They're good. They're going to be great in, in a cover three system. It's, it's just, it's just, it's just, it's just yes. this group of guys. And they're all... They're all slightly flawed in ways that fit into Seattle's okay, a scheme lot of, better than yeah. some. Um, you know, it's, oh, oh, you, you're, they're not going to, like, there are a certain, couple of these guys that are just not going to be good in man coverage. Well, guess what Seattle almost never does? And let, right. Play man they coverage. They used to do a little bit more <laughs> with, uh, with Thomas back there and Sherman and stuff. They could take a few more chances, but. But they, they just haven't the last right. couple of years. And. And even when they did, when it was Thomas and, and Sherman back there, they still didn't do it very often. They played a, they, they still played a lot of zone. They just mm-hmm. mask it um, by having guys up at the line of scrimmage and press, and then moving around behind there. And but then they end up dropping back into their usual spot. So all right, so let's um, talk about a few I'll, of these guys just in a little bit more detail, so we okay. don't just gloss over um, names because I think that you know some of these guys really do deserve attention. I think Seattle ends up coming away with one of these. Um, Eric Stokes, mm-hmm. obviously, I think he's out now. He's probably a top 40 pick. Um, I, I think Afidu uh, Melifuanu is borderline. I think he could be a top 50 guy. Uh, well, we'll see. You never know. Um, mm-hmm. But he's in that range. I think Benjamin St. Just is an option for them if they so choose to go in that direction. He's going to be available. Yep. And the question is, is he, uh, I don't, I think he's out now at like 129. I think that's too far for um, St. Juice. I think he's going to be at, you know, right around 100. So I think if Seattle dropped back a couple times and they were really eyeing him, he'd be a great value for them in, in the 70s, 80s, uh, 90s, in, in that range. He ran a little slow, slower than I thought he would as his pro day at 45140, but still not bad for a corner in Seattle's scheme. Six three three uh, three eighths, two hundred pounds. Got an eighty and a quarter inch wingspan, thirty two inch arms. The guy's just um, other than uh, Melifuanu. This is probably a guy that fits. I think what Seattle wants as far as player, athletic ability, physical attributes, and character. Uh, this guy is like yeah. the the problem. They could be their number one corner prospects on the, on their board. You know, with all those things considered. Um, he's a guy that does everything that we've just been talking about. Uh, physical, uh, shows the, the burst and the suddenness for his size. He's very, um, athletic and has a lot of agility and a guy like that, um, just needs to be coached up a little bit. I think he was a Michigan transfer at some point, landed at, at Minnesota, had a couple good solid years, but Ball skill wise, he needs to work on that. He doesn't have any interceptions. He barely has any pass defense. 
Um, you know, and that's, that's because they didn't throw to him a lot, but when they did, you know, he just didn't, he wasn't able to make the plays, um, for whatever reason. And so you kind of have to look at that a little bit further and understand how he would fit in your scheme and what you're asking him to do. He didn't, he also didn't give up a lot of That's very true. And and touchdowns. So it's, it's like, okay, he didn't have pass defended and, and, um, and and he was used as a nickel too, you know, but, and he, but he, he, he didn't give up receptions, yards and touchdowns. So he was doing something right. They were just throwing it elsewhere yeah. because his guy was covered. I mean, that was a lot of it. Um, and boy, did he look good at the senior bowl. He just did. He just yeah, looks he good. Um, so Tyson Campbell um, would be yeah. the next one. I think he's actually going to jump. And you said it too. He ran like a four, two, five, four, two, five and a four, two, nine. Yeah. At, at his pro day. And you took in that kind of speed. He's also a guy that, is better and he he can do even at six two um he has the skills to do some of the man coverage things that seattle doesn't do um i think he's going to be too universally liked throughout the league someone's going to be like okay if we want him we're yeah gonna and him i think earlier. that helps push down um, a guy like um Malifuani and and a guy like adibo um a little bit later mm-hmm. because one of those Maybe. cornerback needy teams is, is going to go up and get their guy so um the other guy was the Israel uh, Mukuamu. Mukuamu. Um, he's kind of an outside press guy. He can also play zone as well. He's one of the the, the guys that I was looking at that um, that that does have that that ability. Although some are are pegging him to be a guy that possibly moves into a strong safety position uh, in the NFL just because of his physical um, nature and the fact that he plays. He likes to play and can play facing the ball and, and a good solid tackler, all that kind of stuff. Didn't run a 40 uh, at his pro day because of a hamstring thing, but he had a, uh, has a 81 inch wingspan at 6'4", 212 pounds. Um, just crazy athletic guy, but somewhat unpolished. You know, he needs, he needs a little bit mm-hmm. of. Um, well, it's because they moved him around. He didn't play corner. He played yes. everything. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we'll, we'll see. And so the, he kind of reminded me, um, a little bit of, oh my God, now I lost, I just lost his name. Uh, I plays for the Cardinals. Um, they're a guy that moves around and does everything also free safety, but lines up in the Buda slot. Buda Baker. He reminds me of, of a bigger Buda Baker. Um, more like a, a strong, a strong safety version of Buda Baker where Buda Baker is, um, more of a free safety. And I actually um, wrote down an upgraded version of Akeem King, but yeah. Yeah. You know, a guy, a guy, a kind of like uh, Adams where he's just a jack of all trades. Can, can you can move him around all mm-hmm. over the place and stuff? You can, he, you can play him in the slot. You can play him on the outside corner. You can have him um, blitz. You can have him play strong safety. He's got the speed. I think looking at watching his tape to play the deep mm-hmm. third. Uh, so you can really having him out there along with Adams allows you to use the versatility of both of them to mask what you're doing. But what are you really trying to do in Seattle's defense? What do you really need? What do you really want to do? You want to take away the deep shot and you want to force him to do something underneath and come up and right. make a tackle. So you know, he's going to be good at taking away the deep shot just because of the speed and yep. the length. And he, he's also 
a good right. tackle. So where do you want to? So he can come my, up and make my, my leading question is: Where do you want to play him? Where would you want to have him in the scheme located in the defense to be the most effective player? I'd play him yeah. at corner. I I hear you. He would be my outside guy. Because to me, he's an upgraded version of yes. uh, Trey Flowers. Yes, way bigger. I mean, he looks way bigger on the field too. Just a, a, oh, yeah. a mammoth dude. He looks like he'd be. He a, looks he'd like be a guy. He'd be a guy. You know what would be fun is training camp, watching him and DK Metcalf nice. go one on one over and over yeah. and over and over again uh, during and, and practice. Parkinson I would and all those guys. Yeah. I would I would pay to watch that matchup over and over. That's that. That would be yeah. fun. So interesting. Maybe there there would either be a fight or the two guys would have so much for respect for each other that you know they're going out for drinks after practice every day or whatnot because of of all the stuff that went on there. But yeah, he's a guy that I I really guy, like. The other and, guy that gets kind of washed out in the in the wash in this group where they're, you know, anywhere from say a uh, pick 100 overall to pick 150 is what we're kind of talking about is a guy by the name mm-hmm. of Kelvin Joseph. He's kind of a developmental guy. He's from Kentucky, but he's only had 20 total games played at the college level. And, uh, he just ran a four, three, two at his, uh, pro day at six, one, one ninety one. He's got the ability, though, uh, frame-wise, to put on another 10 pounds or so. I don't know that they want to have him put on a whole bunch of weight at that speed. They may want to just take advantage of that with the agility um, things that he has, but also his recognition skills. He can play the boundary. He can get deep for you. He can play underneath, take away some things um, because he likes to, you know, uh, bat the the ball down, take some chances, all that kind of stuff. He's a very aggressive kind of a a guy, hands-on. but he has the the swivel hips and diagnosis plays really well, plays up on the run. I'm not afraid to get his, uh, his helmet in there. So he transferred from LSU and, um, and then he, he, he decided to enter the draft. He had two years of eligibility left. So he was only a sophomore. Yeah. He transferred from LSU and that cost him his 2019 yeah. season. And then, so he, you know, playing, uh, the 2020 season, you know, that that season got cut short uh, by having, you know, the Kentucky Wildcats have some games canceled because of COVID uh, things. And so you've got nine games, nine games of, of good tape mm-hmm. for them uh, from the last two years to look at. That's a hard evaluation for anybody. Um, this you know, would for be a, a quarterback, guy that you'd have to nurse along a little bit. But a guy with tremendous upside and um, and potential long term. This is a this is a guy that I wish had come out, or you know what I mean. Like his entire story and everything um, was here a year ago, uh, so that way the Seahawks could have drafted him last year and have him learn and continue to develop. When you've got guys like Quill Griffin still mm-hmm. out there, knowing that you were going to need cornerbacks this year, and by now he'd be ready. Um, so now, if you take him in this spot. You have a guy whose ceiling is really high. This guy could be uh, Pro Bowl caliber. Like he has a really high ceiling, but he's got a low yes. floor too. And so you really, it's what are you going to get out of him this year? I don't well, know. And with only three picks, do you take a chance on a guy like that, or do you go with a sure thing? You know, you lean sure thing, but if you're left with upside, and that's that's all you need, that's what you're going to have to work with, and you take the guy with upside. But we'll we'll see. I don't know. I, 
I think you're, the goal is to come out with. Um, I think you're going to. You have yeah, three the goal, picks. Though. You need to come up. You need to. You want to come out with two starters. That's a real tough um, ask because it is a because a you got fifty six and you're going to you use go you're going to use that pick to to drop back a little bit. So you're likely not going to pick before sixty five or so. Pick sixty five. Yeah. Uh, like 60 um, if you take a look at the law of averages over the course of the draft you about 60 percent hit rate on that pick 65 to to be able to come in and immediately have an impact as a starter no i didn't say okay. immediately. well okay so starter, that's what i'm saying starter I potential didn't have, I there's didn't, difference there yeah and so so that and that's what i'm saying is a guy like this you know he will be a starter not on day one but a year from now absolutely and in this draft, you've only got three picks. You got to get a guy that will be a starter and yes. contribute. Doesn't have to contribute this year, but he has to become one. Go after the guy that you know will do that, and even though he has to develop some, I, and that's why I think that they could go that way. So uh, we mentioned Keith Taylor a little while ago, kind of almost in passing, and and I think I'm mm-hmm. going to end up talking about him in passing again a little bit here. Um, you know, when I watched him in the senior bowl, of course you watch him at the university of Washington and so forth. He's, he, he flashes. Um, but then there's a lot left there. Um, and, and he's got 31 inch arms, which is kind of the, 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 the cutoff for Seattle is 32. So they've probably written him off the board, but I just want to mention him anyway, because, or they moved him, they way, moved down. him way down. So if he's available out there in the sixth or seventh round, yeah, maybe they take a flyer on a guy like that. Six two, 191 pounds, willing tackler, you know, uh, fluid in his movements and, and sticky and coverage, all that kind of stuff. But he's got enough holes in his, his game to, you know, it's change direction type skills and so forth his recognition so he's better in man than he, he would be in his own he also does a he, well he is but at the same time he's really grabby mm-hmm. that's good. This is a guy right. that in the in the nfl he's gonna get well, he ran a four four five forty so he's no slouch but he doesn't trust his speed and instincts that's why you get grabby yeah yep he's 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 a little too grabby from for my taste but at the same time you know you're looking at a guy who you're going to have to change his technique anyway because he's coming to Seattle and he's mm-hmm. got to learn the kick step and all of that. And okay, take the time to change his technique and, and, and teach him how to do it right. He's got some of the physical traits that you want. So um, if you don't have the me, change direction speed or the suddenness and you're kind of a generally a poor tackler, what's left for Pete Carroll to like in a player like that? He's got, he's got long speed and won't get beaten deep. All right. Um, what to me, that's not enough to take in that spot. I I think group that we've been looking at. No, that's that, that, that's that group of guys. I think, um, there, like I said, there's a, you got anybody that falls just outside of that. How about like an Avery Thomas? The reason I wrote down Avery Thomas is because he is quite likely right there. Like a borderline fourth, fifth round guy, maybe back of the fifth round. Um, he's got outside seeing that, He's he's the top guy of the next okay. tier in in my in yeah. my uh, in right. my list. Right. So there is a so shelf there. Six foot out of yep. Six foot out of Michigan. Um, I didn't have thirty two and a quarter. I was hoping he did. So have, he has and he the had longer a four arms. three seven forty, yeah. which is which is amazing. Yep. Now he didn't run the three corner short shuttle. Had a thirty eight inch vertical, which tells you he does have some um, 
some athletic ability there mm-hmm. to um, to leap out of the building. You know, it's interesting because he's got upside, but I think he's one of the guys that opted out um, in 2020. And so um, the tape there is limited. You know, he's a physical guy. Um, he, he disrupts stuff. Um, he'd be a good defender in zone, uh, good awareness, all that kind of stuff, instinctive. Um, but what are you, what are you going to get in a player like that? Is he ready to go? Is he ready to go? He looked a little bit tentative and, um, kind of out of sync in, at the senior bowl. Like he came in, uh, true, but he hadn't played. Well, I know, but, but what I'm saying is like the announcers were, were, um, were ready to kind of say, Hey, you got to watch this guy. Watch out for Avery Thomas. Here's a name you got to pay attention to, blah, blah, blah. So he came on and it was like, eh. He just looked lost. I think he was beaten a, a couple of times by the the little shifty running back guy from UCLA. Um, I can't remember his name. Um, the guy that switched from a running back into kind of a slot receiver guy. Um, and, and just turned Avery Thomas around. And I was, he just looked not ready for prime time. So I'm not sure about a guy like that. But he has all the physical attributes. You just have to figure it out if, if he's a guy that fits. The other guy right on that shelf for me that I like a lot better for Seattle is Robert Rochelle. Um, Central mm-hmm. Arkansas, six foot, 195 pounds. He was listed at 6'1", um, but they did do a measure, measurement at the pro day, and he came in at six foot, 195. He ran a 4.3840. Again, amazing speed. 41-inch uh, vertical to go along with that, and a outstanding 3.98 short shuttle, uh, which is just super, uh, agility, um, for a guy like that, at that size, that's that. And with that speed, that points to major diversity and scheme. And a guy like that, that guy could play inside for you. He could play outside wherever you need him to play. He could possibly even play a little bit of free safety for you. Uh, three cone at six, eight, four, Short shuttle at 408, which is again, uh, or a 398, which is outstanding. 43 inch mm-hmm. vertical, jumped 11 feet. Uh, four years uh, production guy, 10 interceptions, 38 pass breakups at Central Arkansas. Obviously, not the biggest school or the biggest uh, division in college football. Nonetheless, a guy that has everything that I think Seattle would want to have in a, in a corner, only available later on because of the small schools type stuff and just unproven and a little bit of, you know, he hesitates a little bit. Doesn't, you know, it, it's the coaching at this level where, where you really kind of see the differences show up in a player like mm-hmm. this. Now, if he was going to a big school, LSU, Alabama, Florida, anything like that, um, this guy would be definitely higher on, on somebody's board. Yeah, uh, that I agree. Like, I think he, you know, he's, small school. I mean, that's going to be hard to, um, it does make the evaluation harder because who is he going up against? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and when you're watching the tape, like how good is the player that he's covering? Like, sure. Yeah. Blanket coverage. No one's throwing it at him, but right. Well, and they're not asking him to do a whole that, bunch of stuff like they maybe would have asked him to do in, in a big school because, you know, they're not asking him to come up and defend the run. In fact, he's not a very physical mm-hmm. run defender. You know, that would be one of the things that I think Pete Carroll would, would definitely look at and hesitate with on him and would want to add a little bit of weight to him. He's got the ability on his 40 time to add a little bit of weight there without losing too much and get him physically ready to play the position in the NFL because it's a it's a different animal. He is, you know, athletic, 
and he's got all the speed and agility. So you'd have to scheme him away from playing close to the, to the line of scrimmage, I think, in, at least initially. So. so in that same group and kind of in that same mold is Ohio State cornerback um, mm. Sean Wade. You know, 6'1", 194, um, you know, does a little of everything. Some uh, people project him as a strong safety, um, but he's a corner. And I think it, it would be best to do there. Um, but yeah, I mean, he, he plays really physical, which Seattle will love because he'll get up and, and jam guys, got the speed to not get beat deep. Um, and you know, one of those guys that could cover a big nickel cause he's got all sorts of like, uh, movement skills and the ability to, to stay with smaller guys. And so having him what play was his, what was as his a big deal, nickel, um, Keith, wasn't he supposed to be like a, a top prospect? Um, heading into the 2020 season and, and maybe a first round kind of a guy. What, what, what was the fall off there? Um, I don't, I'm not sure. Cause I know, you know, a couple of years ago he was thought of as a, you know, just one of the top guys. Um, and, but he, you know, he kind of, um, you know, his freshman year, everyone was like, yeah, this guy's going to be going to be like a first round pick, but then he kind of just never, took that next great step. Um, and I think part of it is that, is that you left, they left him covering on an Island a lot where it's like, here, go. And then, you know, he is a guy that takes some chances and freelances a little bit and gave up a couple of, um, deep shots here and there. Uh, but if they'd given him proper like help, right. Give him a free safety that, that knows what they're doing and what that kind of stuff and allow him to be himself and, and attack the football um, you can get a, you can get so a lot out he was of it. And I, I just guys, think that it's a better fit. He was one of those guys that I've heard from a few different <clears throat> draft analysts and pundits that have said that they don't know for sure, like where his head is. Like is he's one of those players where, you know, his inconsistency came on the field came from not his physical limitations, but his mental limitations as far as being in the, in the game, in the moment, um, wanting to be there playing with, you know, the, the right attitude, all that kind of stuff. Those seem to be hmm. the, the things that came up, um, now and again when I was looking into him. Yeah. I mean, and that's, that's, uh, a possibility, uh, that didn't come up when I was looking, but I don't, I wasn't looking for that. I was looking for physical looking stuff. at, um, you know, exactly. physical traits right. and, no, and what his tape looks like. And, and, you know, the freelancing that mm-hmm. he has been known to do is going to rub a lot of coaches the wrong way. Um, but at the same time, he made plays. You know, he, the guy just makes plays. And, and so may decide you to, give him, to move him into like a free safety role as well at, at yeah. some point. Or either free safety or strong safety. He could play either. But, do, but if you put him at corner... Um, I would have liked this way better when Earl Thomas was in Seattle because then you could basically give him the Richard Sherman treatment and say, go make plays because Earl's got your back if you know, and it's not that I don't like Diggs back there. He's, yeah. I mean, there's those, there's right. one. That's Earl exactly Thomas. right. Well, that's, that's why they it. play a lot of too high stuff now. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I mean, but if you can you make you let him know that he has that protection and just say go go make plays. So where do you see He'll a guy like this going? You. I mean, uh, you know, when I was looking at 
at draft type stuff and big boards in January, February, right after the season, uh, he was, you know, closer to being in the top 30 to 45 prospects overall. And I'm not seeing his I've name up there. That high. I was seeing, I was seeing him around 50 to 60. Um, and now you're going to see him around 150. Wow. Um, and maybe it's the, and maybe it's the mental yeah. stuff that you were talking about, or maybe it's the, um, the fact that you go watch his tape and you see him out of position and getting beat and, and you're like, yeah, NFL teams are going to, are going to hate that. Um, and it's true. They are, but you either coach him out of it or, you know, you find a way to use it. And, um, but if it's the, if the, if it, if if he doesn't love football, like he's using football, to, you know, um, he has athletic gifts to, I'm going to go make some money and then go have a lifestyle and whatnot. That's a different kind of guy and not necessarily the guy you mm-hmm. want when you've only got three draft picks. You need guys that love football, that love studying tape, that love doing all those things because they love the game. And that, um, and to me, if he's not one of those guys, I would, I would pass on him, but at 150, right? So you're talking about the end of the end of round five. The athletic traits, the upside, it'd be hard to pass up a guy that at one point was considered a first round talent. Yeah. In when you're in the fifth round, and it's not like he has off field like you know arrests or anything like that. Like his that's not an issue. It's just, um, you know, kind of on the field stuff and and where it goes with, uh, you know, can you can you get him to play more disciplined? Right. Yeah. That'll be interesting. Um, all right. So let's look at the back. Let's look at the back end of the, of the draft. Seattle's got a pick at seven, uh, seventh round two fifty overall. Um, we know that there's some, you know, there'll probably be some fluctuation in there. They may pick up a sixth round pick or whatever. So let's <coughs> take a look at some guys that are available in the sixth, seventh round, just in general. I'll, I'll go with the guy first. Um, Lenore out of Oregon. Um, uh, Demandro. Uh, I knew you, I, I knew you were going to pick one of the two. Oregon <laughs> well, there's guys. a couple, right? There is a couple. Uh, uh, Diomandor, uh, Lenore, um, 195. He's an interesting guy in that, uh, highly rated prospect coming out of college. I think he's a five star guy, right? Four star, five star guy. Mm-hmm. Um, and Oregon had a really decent, uh, defensive backfield over the last couple of years and scheme wise, it's just really difficult to kind of identify their guys um, and single them out as being better than the other and so forth. That's why you mentioned a couple of guys. It's like, yeah, there's, they do have two or three guys, um, including a safety. I think that is in contention this year to be drafted. So, but he was a three year starter, had three interceptions this last year and 12 pass breakups, um, you know, as a sophomore. Um, And then, um, the fluid hips and the ability to, um, to have some ball skills, uh, be able to stick to the hip of, of a wide receiver and turn around when the ball is in the air and, and play the ball, all that kind of stuff. Um, it, it, it's just hard to peg though, where a guy like this is and why this guy falls to the sixth round while other guys like Rochelle and stuff, you know, elevate and, and, work themselves up into like a, a fourth round kind of a grade. Um, so it is, it is interesting. I think he's underrated a little bit. I think he's a kind of a guy that, that could, 
you know, he did shut down receivers at Oregon. I mean, that was his job there was to kind of take the best receiver opposing receiver. And, and he did a good job he didn't have a lot of opportunities to, to make a lot of pass defenses and interceptions there because they just didn't throw to him. Um, so guys like that sometimes tend to get lost a little bit in the shuffle and the statistics game when you're taking a look at, at these things. Um, but he's got a lot of uh, football instincts and, um, a team that plays a lot of zone heavy stuff like Seattle may end up being a, a good fit for him. And Seattle could end up getting a really good value, you know, especially if they can move off that seven, uh, 250th pick overall. I think that this guy would probably end up going in the sixth round somewhere, maybe even earlier. Um, and they may end up having to move around a little bit to go get a guy like that. But if he's on the radar, you know, I, I think that he would be, I, he's the kind of a player that I think that, that would be on their radar. So how about you? You got a guy? Um, yeah, I got a guy, uh, Tay Gowan, um, out of, uh, university of central Florida. So basically the guy he, that, I thought he um, moved. I guess he is still at central Florida. This is still at central Florida. Um, you know, uh, I don't think he was a teammate of Shaq Griffin. I think he came in as a freshman and took Shaq Griffin's roster spot um, at corner at 6'2", 185, um, got the speed, got the um, physicals. But you know what? You're not going to get a lot of tape at Central Florida and um, doesn't have that just elite, um, wow, he jumps off the film the way Shaq Griffin did at Central Florida. So it'd be a lot harder to, um, you know, justify a pick from a little tiny school like that. But you know what? He's got the physical traits and you're looking at a guy that's a developmental guy. You're talking about seventh round pick, a guy that you can probably get a lot of special mm-hmm. team stuff out of, maybe stash on the practice squad for a year um, while he develops and then bring him up. Um, but yeah, I mean, at at six two, he's got the length, he's got the speed. I just think he he kind of fits Seattle's mm-hmm. profile, and you can get him really late. Yeah, yeah. So you know, a guy like that. I mean, uh, that's this is why this draft is really loaded at corner this year. It's it's loaded top to to bottom. Now, obviously, you're not probably going to get a premier starter in the sixth or seventh round, but you're going to get a guy that that could potentially be that for you, and a guy you know, uh, guys sixth seventh round you know, all the time come in and, um, and make an impact on special teams and then, uh, work their way into a developmental role. If, if they have an opportunity, uh, they can, they can eventually even start. So, um, you don't want to write mm-hmm. a guy like that off immediately. Um, as, as yeah, I mean, look at, look at Ryan Neal. Yeah. Undrafted. Right. With, with Seattle. We had a whole bunch undrafted of guys in guy. camp last year that were undrafted that were, had a opportunity that were almost equal to, to, to make the roster. And he was the guy. And we talked about it early mm-hmm. on. And I think in, it be, even before camp, you know, we had our eye on that guy. Undrafted guy, practice mm-hmm. squad guy, worked hard, changed positions, changed teams. learned, learned, learned multiple positions because he can play corner and um, strong safety. And then a bunch of guys got hurt and suddenly he's your starting strong safety. And you go, oh, this is going to go bad. And then it doesn't. And you're like, wow, this guy really stepped up and, and, and did things. And now... Now he's he's a guy that you look at on the the depth chart and you recognize it as a strength as a backup strong safety potential backup corner, um, yeah, a guy that can yeah. just play football. Well, and this guy Tay Gowan, you know, he kind of reminds me of Reed a little bit. 
in the fact that he's kind of a, a press bump and bump and run kind of guy that can play inside, you know, Reed's that mm-hmm. guy, you know, that's where Reed kind of, you know, Reed's a really good in both respects in that he can play inside. He's, he's shifty enough, instinctive enough um, where he can do that. And then he can also play outside because he's physical for his size and he's able to, to bump you and, and disrupt your timing and all that stuff. Well, and the difference is, is Reed is exactly. 5'10 and doesn't have right. long arms, whereas Tay Gowan is 6'2". I thought this does. guy was closer to 6'2". Um, okay. Well, what I'm looking that, at has him listed yeah. as 6'2". Uh, yeah, but, well, I don't, I, don't, I don't have anything in front of him. I'm just going off memory. Yeah, so, um, yeah, with that, I mean, that's, and if you're talking a seventh round pick or maybe a late six, if you, mm-hmm. you know, end up there and, and, and you're, you're talking about priority free agents, you're mm-hmm. like, I, yes, exactly. we can, we might be able, we might be able to get a, this guy after the draft, but I don't want to yeah. take the chance of right. losing him to another team. If he just decides to sign elsewhere, so we're just going to use this, you know, seventh round. I've pick got the same sort of guy and, uh, and in DJ in. Daniel out of Georgia. Um, 5'11 and 5'8, so almost six foot, 183 pounds, but has an 81 inch wingspan, 33 inch arms. Um, so a guy like that who's very uh, agility oriented, athletic, um, shifty, can move very quick, quick reaction kind of guy, but also has the long speed. Again, is is one of those guys like Rochelle I was talking about uh, earlier, a very scheme diverse kind of a guy. You know, initially he might come in and play a specific role for you. Um, in fact, a guy like DJ Daniel is going to be a special teams guy immediately. And then you work him into a spot. You find out if he's better in, on the outside initially, or if he's on the inside, maybe he competes with Amadi uh, for, for some time there. Um, but eventually it's a guy that's, that has tremendous length and athletic upside. He just needs to learn, um, learn the position, be more consistent, be patient, understand his role, um, get some, get some NFL coaching uh, in him and, um, you, you take a late round flyer on a guy like this, um, and have him impact your roster eventually. And that's what you're trying to do. Um, if you're Seattle this year with three picks. Interestingly, he isn't even in the top two corners at Georgia, um, this year. Like there are, there were two others, um, that are, were, were considered better. Who's at that? Georgia. Eric's. I don't remember. Eric's I just remember uh, Tyson Campbell oh, yeah. was one, oh. and then yeah. I think Eric the, Stokes. was, and then George, yeah. and then Stokes yeah, yeah, yeah. was the other one. Yeah, exactly. So we're talking, talking about the, the yeah, third exactly. cornerback, the uh, nickel, the right. nickel corner, and he was playing but, nickel because of those two other guys. But this guy has the ability yeah. to play outside. He just was stuck mm-hmm. in a situation where he had to adapt. Yeah, but where Stokes is going to go early round two. Um, you know, you were well, and the talking other guy was about, supposed to go um, really early too, and it's kind of fallen a little bit. Yeah, Tyson, Tyson Campbell, Campbell. He was I mean, like a, a front end of the second round kind of a name. Yeah, but now he's probably a back end of the third round kind of name. Um, but still, you're talking about two guys going in the top, you know, ninety to a hundred picks, um, and you're the third guy. Well, you're going to drop, yeah. <laughs> and so you're going to get him at the end of round seven, and he. The thing is that this reminds me of Byron Maxwell. You know, Byron Maxwell, um, they used a sixth round pick on. He was mostly a special teams guy um, in college. Didn't get on the field much with the defense. Um, very few snaps to 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 go. But they 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 had they they saw him. They saw his length. 
his speed. He was a great special teams guy. So they brought him in. They took the time. They developed him over a couple of years. And then he was ready. And he came in and was good. He is the guy that, um, you know, Wally pipped uh, Brandon Browner. And then Browner was out of a starting job. And uh, so, yeah, I mean, you've got, you've got, you've got a situation like that where good coaching and development and Seattle has a yeah. history of that. With, and, with and his deals right now are during peak. he needs to improve his fundamentals and he needs to improve his consistency, yeah. you know, and if you're not getting the, the coaching there because you got two guys in front of you that are getting all the coaching um, and you're just mm-hmm. standing waiting for your rep, um, then maybe, maybe that's all he needs. I don't know. You know, he wasn't yeah. the, I think he that's, got a senior bowl invite and, um, he was uh, flashed, and then he was inconsistent. So just like he was, you know, in school. But we'll see. Um, I got one more guy. No, I got two more guys. Okay. So I'm going to let you go first. Uh, no, I'm uh, actually okay. done. I got two like, more guys because they're um, right at the back end. D- DJ da- DJ Daniel, which you brought up, was my last guy. Well, <laughs> I got I got two more. One's a local guy to the northwest, um, Nashawn Wright, six four and a quarter. Six four and a quarter cornerback, 183 pounds. The guy's a stick. He needs to put on a little bit of weight. Even his mom tells him he needs to out put of, on a little bit of weight. Um, he's got <laughs> out Oregon, of Oregon State, State. 32 yeah. and oh, 33 inch arms, 78 inch wingspan, ran a four five seven short shuttle, um, ran a four four forty at six four and a quarter, 185 pounds. So basically he's kind of a zone specialist, which is why I think he would be on Seattle's radar. I don't know. The the height kind of freaks me out a little bit for a corner. I'm just not sure, but it would be interesting. Sherman was six. Sherman was six, three Browner was six. It'd be interesting. It'd be interesting to see a guy like this, but, but, but the thing about him, if you read everything about him, it's like, why is he sitting there at the seventh round? So the most he's most comfortable in zone displays a good feel for deciphering um, spacing and route concepts and, and, and um, spatial awareness uh, knows where all his guys are supposed to be. He's, he uses his length to, to, to locate the ball and high point, you know, some of the, the, the defensive backs we've been talking about uh, some of those guys have challenges in that department, but not this guy, this guy does know his, physical nature and uses it to his ability um so he's got high-end ball ball skills he's got five career receptions in 18 games at oregon state he was a junior calling uh college transfer out of oakland um and and then came on for 18 games um what else um you know he's he's high cut obviously but and that's going to hinder him a little bit but nonetheless um He's just kind of an intriguing guy, uh, a, a cover three, you know, press man, uh, zone cover two. Um, a guy like that could be on Seattle's radar, like or San Francisco's radar, or a team that that plays a defense like like Seattle likes to play. Um, we'll be interested in a guy like this on the back end of, of round seven, um, but but we'll see. You know, he's just a, he's just a guy. And then the other guy um, that has just come on recently, and I've just started looking at him in the last couple of weeks, is Jason Pinnock, uh, cornerback out of Pittsburgh. And he's 6'1", 205, 32 and 3 eighths inch arms, 78 and a quarter inch wingspan, 40-yard uh, dash and 4'49", 
6.93 cone, which is excellent. Short shuttle at 4.1, which is outstanding. Uh, 39-inch vertical, 120-inch uh, inch broad jump. So uh, a guy like this would be, be interesting. Um, 30 games over four seasons. Uh, he's got six interceptions, broken up 19 passes, 54 tackles. Um, he's just a zone, cover two, cover three, scheme fit, smart, instinctive, um, good diagnoser. So, you know, that which translates into being good in, in zone coverage um, to be able to read those things and making plays, you know, tackling, attacking. He's not afraid of being physical. So like, I got like that in the back end, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I don't have anything. Yeah, check on. it out. You'll check it. Check um, out. And Jason, so I'm going to have to. P I N N O C K. Out of Pittsburgh. Yep, yeah, I got him. Um, interesting. Um, so there's a name. There's a name. Someone, Pri- someone priority, new for me to go study. Priority uh, undrafted free agent guy. Seventh round. Yeah. Try if we hold yeah. on to that 750 um, pick, that might be the guy. Because, you know, at that pick, you're either going to draft a lineman or a punter or whatever, you know, or it's going to be some some guy that can play special teams for you that has maybe some roster upside. But, you know, you're you're basically looking for a back end guy to either develop, put on your special teams or uh, put on your uh, your your 10 man um, roster uh, that's off the 53 and, and develop over a little bit of time. So. You know, we got Chris Carson yeah, I mean, in that range. You know, guys that guys yeah. can come in and and develop. That's the thing is you you when you're taking guys there. Like I said, these are guys that that you think probably will go after the you know be available after the draft, but you don't want to lose them because what you see is one trait that really stands out, and maybe he doesn't. They're not the complete package, but they've got that one thing they're great at and you can use that and then you can build up some of the yeah. other skills and, and for um, this guy it's length you know length and athleticism yeah. you know he doesn't you know he's not going to be uh, terribly experienced and he's not going to he didn't come from a good a big huge conference and so you're just gonna you're gonna see what you get when you get him and, and who knows it might be a diamond so yeah um reminds me a little bit of a guy that I haven't mentioned and wasn't planning on talking about, but um, Chris Wilcox out of mm-hmm. BYU. He's six. I guess he had a good pro um, too. Yeah. I mean, he's got the physical skills, but he's really, he's slow moving off the line and they wanted him to play man coverage there at BYU. Mm. And so his tape's pretty, his, his tape's pretty midi- mediocre, but he wouldn't be playing man coverage. He'd be playing zone in Seattle. And, so you're looking at all these physical skills and you go, you know, as a guy right at the end of the draft, like seventh, like end of seventh round, 250, where they currently sit. Um, there's only seven, seven picks after Seattle, like something like that, right? Yeah. Uh, and so you're looking, you know, like I said, you're looking at the back of the seventh round. He's got all the physical skills. He's six two. Um, he's got some experience but you know he's not going to be good in man coverage. Well, guess what? Seattle doesn't play a lot of man coverage. They play almost none. Um, they're one of those zone-heavy teams in the NFL. So the bad tape, I'm, right. you know, 
Are there things that you can well, you gotta that, trust that your evaluators. You got to trust your evaluators at that point. Your area, area scouts, all that kind of stuff. You know. Um, okay, yeah. so let's let's play a little bit of game. We got a couple couple minutes. Um, we really don't have a couple minutes, but I just made some up. Um, so uh, <laughs> out of everyone we mentioned today, what percentage, um, if you had to guess, would you put on Seattle selecting one of the guys we mentioned in any one of their three picks? Oh, wow. Um, and then I'll, I'm, I'm going to ask you who, like it, likely who at what, at what draft spot. Okay. I would say we covered yes, we so did. many guys that fit Seattle's profile that I think the the odds would be fairly high because I'm, Wait. I am very sure they're going to get a cornerback and there just aren't a lot of cornerbacks in this draft class that we one didn't yeah. talk about. Or two, just really don't fit right. Seattle's profile. We pretty much covered want. everyone that does. And there's a lot. The good news so is there's they, 15 or 20 guys. Yeah. So if they go completely, you know, off uh, their normal as far as what they're looking for, then, you know, whatever. Uh, what are we going to do about that? But just based on, I think they're going to get a corner and they have a type. They know We know what they want. And so we, and we've looked at those guys. So I think it's probably pretty high. So I'd say like 30%, which I, Everyone's like, oh, that's not that high. Yeah, that's actually really high for John. Especially Snyder. with three picks. Um, yeah, especially with only three picks. So um, so that, I think, is a um, a good place All right, to start. So, okay, um, so two questions. Who do you want them yeah. to pick? And who do you Ooh. think that they will pick? And what draft position? Uh, okay. Um, those are two very different questions. <laughs> Who do I want them to pick? I would say um, Efetu uh, Melifuanu yeah. out of Syracuse. Yeah, he's he's the guy um, that could be special and has the, the the highest ceiling. I think he's the guy I would want them to pick um, in that. So spot. in that in that um, sixty range. Okay. Yep. Um. And so, it, it, given my choice, that would be the guy. I don't think they're going to take a cornerback there. I think cornerback is deep enough, and there's that group that we spent a long time on that in the you know nineties, you know, basically the fourth round. Um, and that there's so many in that group, it's going to be too enticing for them to just wait and get a player at a position where it's a lot harder to get a guy like a Quinn Miners or or, or a Josh mm-hmm. Myers. Um, you know, at center or, or somebody that uh, happens that to fall so, in the draft that you're not expecting to be there, that all of a sudden you got to, you have to move on. Yeah. Uh, you know, like a, a defensive yeah, tackle, right. or a defensive end that you just, you're, you're thinking, Oh, they're going to go in the thirties and they're sitting there at 56 and you're like, I can't say no. Right. Cause he, this, why this guy shouldn't have dropped, right. but he did because there was a run on running backs or something. And you're like, okay. Um, so what about um, a guy that's most so likely to be selected most by Seattle likely. and when? Would you use that fourth round, um, that, that 129 overall? And would you try to find your guy there? Okay. If I'm picking in that spot, I would say um, Israel mm-hmm. Lukuamu. Yeah, he's got the most upside again. So you're going with total upside guys. I'm going with total upside. I know that 
I think a safer choice might have been uh, Benjamin St. Jude. I don't know I if he's going to be there by then. But yeah, no, I agree with that. I, fact, yeah. I believe and that the, Benjamin St. Juice will end up being the better pro. But I don't know that he's going to be available at 129. I think yeah. I think he's going to end here's up the going thing. way before people think he's going to go. So here's my prediction on him. He will be a Seahawk. He will not be mm, drafted by Seattle. But at some point in his career, he'll yeah. be a Seahawk. Interesting. Um, Stanley Jean oh, Baptiste um, was a guy that I said the same thing about a few years ago. He was tall corner. Basically he was getting drafted because of his physicals, but had terrible tape. Um, and I go, yeah. someone's going to, someone's going to overdraft this guy. Um, and they're yes. going to be disappointed and he will That's end funny. up in Seattle. And he did end up in <laughs> Seattle. He spent, That's a good um, he spent a year on the practice squad and then another year on injured reserve before they, they gave up on him. Um, uh, so, and I think, I think Benjamin St. Just will end up in Seattle, but not on the practice squad and, and that kind of stuff. Like he's a guy that um, will spend four years at whatever team and then Seattle yeah. will go get I him. I think, you know, if, just if, like if, if somebody's though. sitting there at 129 and they wait till 129 and they don't move around or whatever, I think it's Robert Rochelle, you know, a guy that's um, fits all their physical attributes as well as athletic upside and agility. Um, arm length, um, three cone, uh, vertical, um, all the ball skills, all that kind of stuff. Um, a guy that's likely mentally ready to be coached. And, um, so, so that guy to me is probably on, on their board and probably Mm -hmm. pretty high. And I, in fact, he may be high enough on their board where they might overdraft him. He might end up, you know, they might drop back a few different times and they might, he might be the shocker guy. He might be the guy that they go get in, you know, in the 80 range or whatever. Um, not, I don't, Maybe. I don't know for sure. Um, you know, and another guy that has to be on their, on their radar just from that mental, physical beast aspect would be, um, Quinn Miners. You like Josh uh, Myers. I think Josh Myers is, is definitely more NFL ready to come in right now and be a better player than than miners but miners mm-hmm. is just an animal there's just something about that guy that i want him on my team you know yeah i've i've done a, i've done a lot more uh, a lot more tape study of him recently since we since we went through that because you're so mm. high on him and i still think that you're right josh myers is mm-hmm. more pro ready he because he's and a he's been consistent he for years now and miners is just emerging. Yeah, and he but My- myers is yes. a technician he is um, very good with everything. There's no wasted steps and, and movement. Um, he gets, I think what you get he, is he what just you does get with well. Myers. He's already there. He, he kind of, it's like when you're drafting a, a Stanford offensive lineman, um, Stanford offensive linemen are typically coached to right. their peak because their coaching is so good for their offensive line. And so they don't develop as much as you might think. Um, and maybe that's the true with, with Myers and he just doesn't ever develop and continue to get better. And he just, you know, ends up being okay. Um, but with Quinn Miners, you've got a guy who can play center and do those things, but he could also play guard and you could find him 10 yards downfield, destroying a defensive <laughs> tackle, um, 10 yards yes. downfield watch and as his running back runs behind and him. Um, the crap but, out of him. Yeah. Yeah, and and then you're like, oh, so you're gonna have that. Oh, and he's gonna play center for you, um, and he's got that kind of attitude and physicality and all of that. But he 
is not a technician. His technique is run you over. There's there. Yeah. He, he's going to be more like J.R. Sweezy, um, who could run you over, but then also whiffed a lot and, and gave up a lot of pressure on, on Wilson. Um, and I think that at first that's what you're looking at with Quinn Miners is a guy that's going to have amazing tape on a highlight reel, but then you could also make a very large tape of his low light reel where he whiffs because his technique needs work. But if he's coaching or coachable, he if he's like willing, he's listening, he's working, he really wants to get better. There is so much to work yeah. with there. I mean, there's a guy with. I just saw a draft. That, that, I just saw a draft super on, a, on a high level. Like I, uh, I can't remember. But I think it was Bucky Brooks or somebody like that that projected him now Ooh. to be drafted 30th overall. Now, if you think about that, and if it happened, he's gone from a player that was on most people's big big boards at 200 or or higher, or a guy that you just didn't even know about, right? to showing up at the senior bowl, making a name for, for himself, getting him so noticed that everyone, he demanded that everyone watched film on him, which everyone did. And mm-hmm. he's been doing nothing but rising on everyone's boards. Now, uh, what they say, and, um, and, and you know this, is in NFL film rooms and during in the, in the draft war rooms and all the prep, everything is, is basically done February 1st and all the film has been watched and all the grades are done and in like 85 to 87% of the grade is already in the books at that point and all they have left is interviews and background checks and medicals and 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 some some minor tweaks and pushing on the film and and you know maybe an uh, area scout is really pushing for a guy or something and and that has a little influence otherwise that board is not baked but it's pretty damn close and so a guy like miners to penetrate that has to be like on a rocket ship yeah but but the thing is that that's nfl teams and nfl teams have a team of area scouts and um you know i mean they they're looking two three years in advance they know Mm -hmm. everybody um for a guy that's rising from 200 to 30 that's because the media people that do this don't have a team of people looking three years in advance. Nobody knew who he was other than a name on, on a, a spreadsheet until the senior bowl. And then they're like, Oh, we should go look at this guy. So is it, is he really rising or is it just guys finally noticing him? And I think it's that one. It's the guys finally going, Oh, we should have watched this guy instead of just writing him off. Cause he played right. for a tiny school, Wisconsin whitewater. Yeah. Interesting. Mm-hmm. All right. So, um, Keith, What's next? We got the draft next week, right? Yes. Yep. My goodness. So next week. So next Tuesday's show is, um, is what? What are we doing? Um, we're going to do a little bit of a draft preview with, in terms of all of it. Um, we are going to hopefully by then have uh, a couple of draft hedges signed because John Snyder usually will sign a couple of draft hedges right before the draft. So that way he doesn't have to like worry about Oh, we need a corner. Well, he, you know, he just signed some, you know, veteran that he can cut. I guess Demarius um, Randall was resigned and they plan on moving him to corner full time as opposed to being a safety this, this last year. Yeah. And he came into the league with, I think it was Green Bay as a corner Mm -hmm. and then a high draft pick corner, in fact. And then uh, when he 
I think he was traded in the last year of his contract. I think he was traded to, this is all off memory, um, traded to the Browns, I believe, Cleveland Browns. And then um, they switched him to safety. And then uh, Seattle brought him in eventually as a safety last year, just kind of a backup guy. And then I think uh, they signed him to a deal, veteran minimum deal, to come in and play corner this year. Yeah. So that, and that's interesting because this is a guy that has a little bit of a corner history and pedigree, um, mm-hmm. at least draft pedigree. Um, but with him, like you, this reminds me a little bit of, um, oh, I just, my, my train of thought just disappeared on me. Um, I can't, well, let's forget that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, this is a guy that, you know, he's going to come in and he's going to, oh, um, yeah. Pierre I, I was, was going to mention that. Was it? I didn't want to say that. Um, because P- Pierre Desir drafted by the Browns, um, pretty high, became a starter, kind of flamed out there, um, got himself cut, came to Seattle on the practice squad. He almost didn't sign with Seattle because he almost didn't sign with anyone. Not that he didn't get offers, but because he was just done with football. Because playing for the Browns just sucked all the joy mm. out of football out of him. And then in Seattle, he found that he really enjoyed it again. And so even though he had, he was on the practice squad with a couple of weeks left, um, there were a couple of teams that were like, Hey, we'll put you on the 53. Um, he declined it, stayed with Seattle because he knew there was only a couple of games left and he wanted to, um, come back the following year and try and earn a roster spot. Um, mm-hmm. which he did, he earned a roster spot, but then Jer- the Jeremy Lane trade fell apart. And because of his contract, Jeremy Lane got stuck on the roster and he ended up getting cut, went to Indy and was their best, was their best defensive back in Indy. Um, And so it's kind of a similar thing. You go to the Browns and then you end up, right. Are you wanting to play football? No, this is before, but no. Yeah. And this is before the current regime in, in, um, in Cleveland, which is, has done a good job. The culture there has really changed, but, you got to admit, like it was bad there. Oh, it's horrendous. The seer was not the only guy with that. Yeah. So interesting. So Demarius (laughs) Randall, that'll be an interesting name. I, you know, I do think that he makes the the team, um, as like the fifth corner and, and we'll see. Um, but, but, Mm -hmm. uh, you you definitely want a guy that can come in and compete against Weatherspoon and Trey flowers, you know, and I think that they will get that guy. I don't know if it's going to be signed next week or signed before the first kickoff in September, you know, mm-hmm. there's a lot of football to be done and, and see what you've got in camps and all that kind of stuff. And then they, you know, they can make moves all the way through. So, yep. um, any, so yeah, so next week we'll come in, we'll take a look at the draft. We'll look at the process. We'll look at the picks. We'll do some mocks strategy, all that kind of stuff. We'll have fun with that show. And then, uh, Following the draft, I believe we're supposed to have a, a guest on for that. Although I have not booked that yet, so we'll see. That might be that might <laughs> we'll be see if that flexible but at this point. And after the draft, we'll we'll come in. Um, so the draft is is uh, we'll, we'll, we're going to record yes. on Tuesday um, next week and get that out uh, for those of you pre-draft. Draft will be Thursday yes. through Saturday, um, and then we'll be back to analyze who. The yeah. team drafted what and maybe happened. The, the undrafted we'll guys all, by then too. A couple. Yeah, of them. we'll break it all down and um, talk to you about those seventeen trades that John <laughs> Snyder made and Ended up with um, picks. whatever. 
Yeah, whatever it, whatever it ends up that he did. Um, somehow, John Snyder acquired every single seventh round pick in the 2021 draft. Um, no, whatever it is, we will um, we will break all that down and and um, give you our take on it and and tell you all we can about whoever it is that Seattle drafted. So uh, until next time, find Keith on Twitter at MyersNFL. I'm at MW Seahawk. The show is at Hawks Playbook on Twitter. SeahawksPlaybook.com has all of the shows archived and a whole bunch of other stuff. Uh, and we're working on some other things on there as well. And um, find us on your favorite podcast app and YouTube. So until next time, Keith, go Hawks. Go Hawks. Seahawks Playbook podcast listeners, thanks for joining us for another edition of the show. You can find us on Twitter. Bill is at NW Seahawk. Keith is at Myers NFL. And the show is at Hawks Playbook. You can listen and subscribe to the show at SeahawksPlaybook.com. Podcast Network. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.